We've been learning so many times. I've narrated hundred pharma tales. You know, you understand and you revised. You can actually count in all the ways. We've had fun. We've made the best of friends. But it isn't over yet. Let's keep on going, going, going. We'll be even more smart, I really bet. With this promise, let me disclose the topic of the day. Amongst the different types of cholinergic receptors, today's parlay is embellished with muscarinic cholinergic receptors. Welcome all to Is Pharmacology Difficult podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Radhika Vijay, MBBS MD Pharmacology. And this is the audio hub to get the best simplified basic tips, strategies, methods and lots of ideas to learn better, understand better and make your concepts crystal clear. If you really find and if there's a question hovering in your mind, is pharmacology difficult? Lend your ears for a while and let in the magic of knowledge. There are two main families of receptors for acetylcholine, namely the muscarinic and the nicotinic receptors. First and foremost, today let's talk about muscarinic receptors. Now, initially, let's get to know little about the agonists and the antagonists. As the name suggests, what do you say? The muscarinic receptors have their agonist as muscarine and the antagonist is atropine okay now second most important feature is where are they located of course that's the most important point of curiosity well you can locate them on the heart smooth muscles eye blood vessels gastrointestinal tract urinary tract respiratory tract and yes, in many areas of the central nervous system. Now I have a special point to talk about. I have a point about the autoreceptors. I know you have heard them so many times. Autoreceptors are located pre-junctionally and to be very specific, they are located on the postganglionic cholinergic nerve terminals. Now, if these receptors, these autoreceptors, they are stimulated, they block the release of acetylcholine. The similar types of autoreceptors found on the adrenergic nerve terminals, they inhibit the noradrenaline release. And that was a special point I wanted to talk about the autoreceptors. Let's move on further. If we notice the different types of muscarinic receptors, it will be found that mainly they are M1, M2, M3, M4 and M5. They are the majorly discovered ones. Now this discovery has been mainly a result of variety of techniques. The techniques can be molecular cloning or simply pharmacological techniques. Now out of these five, we can sort out three as the major muscarinic receptors which are almost found on all the sites M1, M2 and M3. They are on all the organs, 
peripheral organs in the central nervous system. Now, M4 and M5, they are restricted to the brain areas and they serve to monitor the release of certain neurotransmitters. That is why they belong to the minor category, while M1, M2 and M3 are belonging to the major category of the muscronic receptors. Now, I want to highlight one more thing here. Till now, we were talking about the location of the muscronic receptors. Let us segregate them on the criteria of their role or their function. In that case, if we focus on their role or the action that they are performing, then M1, M3 and M5. I repeat, M1, M3 and M5, they form one group while M2 and M4, they form group 2. Now, as far as the agonist and the antagonist are concerned, I told you only one sentence about these agonists and antagonists. Let's talk more about them. Agonists, they are not selective. In case of muscronic receptors, the one I have to account for is pilocarpine. It's a non-selective agonist involved in the treatment of xerostomia and glaucoma. For your kind information, the selective agonist development is under progress till date. Got it? While on the other hand, I can make you count very selective antagonists. Yes. Perenzepine is a selective antagonist for M1 receptor. Tripetramine is a selective antagonist for M2 receptor. And Durafenacine is a selective antagonist for M3 receptor. Now, I want to jot down in bullet points few of the important facts and features in general about the muscronic receptors. First point, the muscronic receptors are the G-protein coupled receptors. So definitely they are having seven helical spanning amino acid sequence. Second point, I've already told you that functionally M1, M3 and M5, they are similar. Now how? Let's dig into this. They work via the GQ protein. What happens actually is conformational changes occur. The pathway adopted is the phospholipase C IP3DAG pathway. In this case, the second messengers like IP3 and diacylglycerol they are formed. Calcium is too increased in concentration within the cell. Now this calcium interaction it may react in different kinds of responses like hyperpolarization and depolarization so variety of actions occur like secretion from the glands nitric oxide release dag that is diacylglycerol it activates the phosphokinase c which phosphorylates the protein within the cells now phospholipase a2 is also activated its role is the enhanced production of prostaglandins and leukotrienes so that was about the group 1 functionally, that is M1, M3 and M5 receptors. Then third point, the group 2, that is M2 and M4 receptors, they are functionally similar, I've told you that. Now what's the pathway or what's the mechanism? Let's dig it out. In this case, the potassium channels, they open via the GI, G-protein coupled receptors. In this case, 
The subunits involved, they are the beta gamma subunits. The next what happens? Through the alpha subunit, the inhibition of the adenylyl cyclase it occurs. It results in hyperpolarization. Various actions they take place. The pacemaker tone it decreases. There is decreased conduction and decreased force of contraction observed in the heart. Fourth point. M4 receptors are also involved in the modulation of the neurotransmitter release in the brain while M5 receptors they are involved in the dilatation of the cerebral arterioles and also in the modulation of dopamine which is involved in the reward behavior. Got it? Now that was quite simple. There is nothing very complicated. These are the simple points you need to keep in mind about the different type of receptors. And their grouping also. That is very important. Again, I want to tell that the major ones are M1, M2 and M3 and the minor ones are M4 and M5. But functionally, they are grouped as M1, M3, M5 in group 1 and M2 and M4 in group 2. Now is the time to converse about specific receptors in a little detail. Let's go for it. The major ones I've told you again, M1, M2, M3. So let me keep my convo all about these only. I'm not going to discuss M4 and M5 in detail. The first one, M1. Let's talk about the location. The location of M1 is nerve endings, ganglionic cells, neurons, the central sites like hippocampus, cortex, and also the enteric neurons. After knowing the location, we can easily define their action. They play a role in gastric and intestinal secretions, in the relaxation of the lower esophageal sphincter, and they are also playing role in memory and learning activities. Second, M2 receptors. Their location is in the heart. And for your utter knowledge, autoreceptors, they are found on the cholinergic nerve terminals. And another important place of finding of these receptors is the smooth muscles, where mainly M2 receptors are found and very few M3 are found. Now, what's their role? In heart, these receptors, they mediate the vagal bradycardia, while in smooth muscles, they mediate the muscle contraction. Third, M3. Where are they located? Gastrointestinal tract smooth muscles. They're also found in blood vessels. They're found in bladder and exocrine glands. So what is their role? In the gastrointestinal tract, they mediate the smooth muscle contraction and they're also mediating the secretion via the glands. Now this role is one of the most important roles of the M3 receptors. Now in the blood vessels, the M3 receptors, they are responsible for the release of the capital EDRF, endothelium-derived relaxing factor, and subsequent lap results in the vasodilatation. Along with the M2, M3 receptors, they are also mediating the lower esophageal sphincter contraction. With the discussion and details about M1, M2, and M3, I'm gonna put my speech to halt now for the day. We have a lot to discuss in this topic about the receptors for the acetylcholine and I'll be giving you a summary of all the receptors also but all the learning and all the discussions are postponed till the next episode day.
For all the updates and latest episodes of my podcast, do visit www.ispharmacologydifficult.com where you can also sign up for a free monthly e-newsletter of mine. It actually contains a lot of updates about medical sciences, drug information updates and my podcast updates also. You can follow me on different social media handles like Twitter, Insta, Facebook and LinkedIn. They all are with the same name is Pharmacology Difficult. If you are listening for the first time, do subscribe and follow whatever platform you are consuming this episode. Stay tuned. Do rate and review on iTunes Apple Podcast. Stay safe, stay happy, stay enlightened. Thank you.